Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. In our Gospel lesson this morning, Jesus is speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper on the night of his arrest, and he is preparing them for his departure, for when he will be taken away and no longer with them. He's told them that he's going to be leaving, and when they hear this news, the scripture says that sorrow filled their hearts, but none of them dare ask where he was going. Nevertheless, he tells them that though they may be sorrowful at this news, it's actually to their advantage that he goes away. Because only if he goes away will the Comforter come, who is not only with them, but in them. This new situation of the Comforter coming, it's better than what they have now. It's an improvement, which is I'm sure it would be difficult for them to accept or believe as they're sitting there with their Savior. They certainly couldn't understand it. So there's a new situation in which they are going to be able to know Jesus and the Father and the Spirit in a more intimate and powerful way. That's not only good news for them, that's good news for us because that's the condition we're in right now. The Spirit, he says, is going to give to the disciples everything that belongs to Christ. He is going to impart to them in an interior fashion all of Christ, all that Christ is. In other words, as I am fond of saying, the Spirit will Christify the disciples. But Jesus has to go away in order for this to come to pass. And while this is better for them, it's also going to present some difficulties as well. What is better is not always easier. Jesus says to them in verse 16, A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Well, the disciples are understandably befuddled and perplexed by Jesus' words. They respond among themselves. They have a little consort there. What is this that he saith unto us? You didn't know they spoke in the king's English. A little while and ye shall not see me. And again a little while and ye shall see me. Because I go to the Father. They said therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. And we cannot tell what he saith. Well, Jesus knew they were perplexed. So he asks them. Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while, and ye shall not see me? And again, a little while, and ye shall see me? And then he proceeds to illumine them and give them an answer. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. They're going to lament and weep and be sorrowful because he's about to be taken from them in death. They're about to enter into the dark night as it has never existed before then and after then. 
they're about to enter into that darkness and they will lament and they will be sorrowful. But the world, the world run by the prince of the world who hates Christ and hates God and hates all that is good and true and beautiful, the world will rejoice that he is taken from them. But it's only for a little while, just a little while, because he will rise from the dead and they will see him again. And so their sorrow will be turned into joy. They are sad when he leaves in death. They are happy when he returns in the resurrection. Well, what about now? Because something else happened between the resurrection and now. He left. (laughs) He left again, physically, bodily. He left in the ascension, which is, we're sort of, Preparing for that, aren't we? That's the next big thing on our liturgical calendar. And in fact, if you'll take note on the Feast of the Ascension, I'm sure you'll all be here on the Feast of the Ascension. On the Feast of the Ascension, after the Gospel, someone will come and extinguish the Paschal candle, which is a poignant, you know, reminder that he has left. He has gone back to the Father into heaven. And so he was with them, He's gone in death, he comes back in the resurrection, but then he leaves uh, in the ascension. And we await to see him again until his second coming. All of these conditions are sort of wound up in this passage. That's why it sounds a little bit uh, Irish and confusing. Sorry, Simon. The point is, is when Jesus is with them, they are filled with joy, and when he is absent, they are sad. That's the takeaway, right? That's... That's really the meaning of everything. Like that should be your basic understanding. This is what makes me happy, and this is what makes me sad. If you're sad, if I'm sad, I always know I'm not connecting with Jesus. I always know. That's the reason. Then I have to figure out why I'm not connecting with Jesus and try and solve the problem. That's always the source of my sadness. Not circumstances. Not that I don't have any money. Not that I'm sick. Not this, not that. It's that I'm not making a connection with Jesus Christ. That's why I'm sad. That's why Lawrence, while he's being griddled there, he can, with a smile on his face, say, turn me over, I'm done on this side. With complete joy, because he's with Jesus. He's connected with Christ. That's what it's all about. So, he does promise in this passage that the joy that they receive, no one will be able to take from them. Even so... We understand, all of us, we're living in a hostile environment. And he is not here. He is in heaven, still in a semi-finite body. And we await his return. But it's not that simple either. It's not just that he's not here and that he is there. Because while he's there and not here, he is kind of here too. (laughs) Through the gift of the Spirit. Through the sacrament of the church. So he's present and he's not present, and yet he's present. And maybe we're confused. Are we to be sad that he's not here? Are we to be happy that he's here? Well, that's the condition we find ourselves in, isn't it? And that's why sometimes we're happy and sometimes we're sad, because we're struggling in this life. We're struggling to retain the joy of the presence of Christ and keep our connection to Christ. And the answer to whether we will be happy or sad in this life will depend upon whether we become friendly with the world or whether we will be close and stay close to the Holy Spirit. These two things are mutually exclusive. 
A lot of things are not mutually exclusive, but these are. Friendship with the world or being close to the Holy Spirit. You have to choose. The chapter, chapter 16, ends with Jesus saying, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He lays it out right there. That's the state that we are in. That's our context. So our potential for joy or despair depends on one thing, and that is how close we are to Jesus Christ. He has come to us. He has made himself accessible and known to us. He's created a door and a path in many various and sundry ways through the people you're sitting next to, through the sacrament, through the scriptures, through prayer, through all of these ways Christ makes himself known to us in the spirit. But we have to avail ourselves to him. And we also have to realize that we face an insidious enemy which seeks to prevent us from connecting with him. This enemy, above all else, the enemy's goal is to keep us from being close to Jesus Christ. St. Peter says in our epistle lesson, the very first line, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Strangers and pilgrims, sojourners in a foreign land. This is a key. This is a key. We're going to be talking about this in Sunday school today too. It's the passage we're at in Hebrews. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. Well, that sounds a little bit like we're just passing through Canada on our way to Alaska. You know, and Canadians are famously nice people. Uh, we wouldn't want to confuse this world for Canadian niceness. We're not just passing through this world on a nice trip. No, this is a hostile world we're passing through. This world is not your friend. There are dangers about in the world. The world wants to destroy you. It wants to steal your life. It wants to kill you. It wants to strip you away from the kingdom of God. This world is not Canada. This world is the fire swamp. It's Mordor. Okay? We have to really recognize this. It seems kind of benign sometimes. That's the devil's trick. He's very, very good at appearing to be benign. I call it his uh, uh, banana peel approach. He just tosses little banana peels out in front of us. It doesn't seem all that hideous, right? A banana peel. Well, you can crack your head open and kill yourself by slipping on a banana peel. And that's how he works. There's dangers and demons and banana peels everywhere in this world. And if we linger and we lounge with the world, we will, we will eventually get pulled and sucked into the corruption get thrown off course, we'll forget who we are, we'll forget where we belong, we'll forget where we're headed. And it can happen so easily. It happens every day to otherwise seemingly devout Christian people. We all have friends. We know in our own lives how we can, like little sheep, wander off from the fold. The slip can happen. It can happen through difficulty and trial in our life, or it can happen through what may seem as blessing. It doesn't really matter which one. You know, the devil is 
adept at using both techniques to draw us away from being close to Christ. If we're going through some terrible suffering and trial, maybe we give in to despair and we lose our faith. Maybe things are going great. Maybe, you know, we're growing in riches, advancement in our position, increase in every way in money and prestige and power. This can just as easily, maybe even more dangerously, cause us to forget about the kingdom of God, that which is important to draw us away from Christ. Of course, for many of us, myself included, forget about prestige and riches. Camping trips and pot roast are enough to make me forget about the kingdom of God. So it's not always some big thing. It can just be a little thing, like the game or what I'm going to have for lunch instead of paying attention to my prayers this morning. If you pay attention to the chief apostle as he writes to us this morning, he warns us about the things that cause us to forget our home and forget that we are in a hostile land that we're passing through. Strangers and pilgrims, he says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The appetites, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the appetites have been distorted in us and they draw our attention, our hunger, they draw our thirst and a hunger away from the kingdom of God and away from being close to Christ. They are a war against the soul. And back to where I began, worldliness. Worldliness will destroy the intimacy that we can have through the Spirit with the Savior who is now in heaven but is also in our midst. It is this intimacy with Jesus Christ that we must protect at all costs above everything. It is this intimacy with Jesus Christ that assures our strength and our joy to make it through this life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.